Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I will be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman. This is episode 68 of our show. We are on the road to Avengers Infinity War, and this week our stop is Avengers Age of Ultron as we get to the second-to-last stop in Phase 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, before we get started... I have a lot of people to thank this week. I would like to say a very special thank you to John Lampson, Chris Wright, Ravi, Jacob Durr, Daniel Davila, Michael Chavez, and Kyler Templeton. They are our newest patrons over on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And by, being, by becoming our patrons, they get access to exclusive content like our well depending on the tier that they chose there's exclusive content available like our patreon credit scenes that's where we take these episodes and we do an additional conversation we take uh, the especially on these road to infinity war episodes for example we take whatever movie we're talking about like age of ultron and we spend some time talking about what connects that film to avengers infinity war slash avengers 4 so obviously there's going to be plenty to talk about with this film but we also talk about some of the latest news so we offered some additional thoughts on this week's patreon for the patreon credit scene for this episode we talked about uh, the avengers infinity war trailer a little bit more we also talked about the ridiculous advanced ticket sales for infinity war and some of the hype and just our own experiences uh, when tickets went on sale and having to secure our seats for opening night so hopefully you check that out but we also do other exclusive content, like we just did our Black Panther Q&A episode. We've done, we do an exclusive episode each month just for our patrons. And again, that's depending on the tier that you choose. And actually, we've changed some of the tiers a little bit so that that way people who are our patrons are going to get more. Um, and people who haven't signed up have the opportunity to get something. So those Patreon credit scenes, which again is extra content every single week, uh, those are available now for just a dollar a month on our Patreon page. Just a dollar a month in support gets you those Patreon credit scenes. They used to be $3 a month, but for those of you who were who have been paying $3 a month, you're going to want to stay at the tier that you're at because not only will you continue to get those Patreon credit scenes, but there's going to be a weekly Q&A episode hosted by yours truly exclusively for that tier and above on our Patreon page. So make sure you stick with that so you can get even more content for the, in, uh, for the support that you're providing us. And I, But of course, we appreciate any support we receive from any of our listeners, even if it's just by listening to the show. In fact, there are other ways you can support and get the word out on the show and, and help it grow and help it continue. And that is by just following the, by keeping up with us on social media. If you go to our Facebook page at Marvel Studios News or facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News, you can give us a like. And when you see our articles and our podcast, uh, feel free to like, comment, and share. All of that stuff helps. Uh, same thing on Twitter if you follow us at Marvel Newscast. Or just go to the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, where we keep you up to date on all of the latest information for the MCU. Uh, and I'm writing articles every single day on that website so you can get more on the MCU and more of our thoughts on the MCU at the website. So hopefully that information is helpful and appealing to some of you, but that's where I will go ahead and wrap all this up so that Paul and I can get into our conversation about Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> Well, Paul, we better watch our language for this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> language. 
Yeah, we're not really going to have to, though. I mean, I don't know. Like, I know th- there will be some criticisms that we toss out oh, against, oh, Avengers, yes. against Avengers Age of Ultron. But, um, in fact, this is probably the last stop on this road to Infinity War where I'm going to be all that critical. I know you've got Doctor Strange still oh, okay. coming up. Uh, but <laughs> And I've got some stuff with Doctor Strange, but probably not on the level that I do with this one. But, of course, we're talking about... Avengers Infinity War, but before we get into the movie and any whatever we liked or didn't necessarily like about it, we got to talk about the build-up to it, mm-hmm. and this is the first time in a while, in fact, it's the first time since Iron Man 2 on this road to Infinity War where we're dealing with a director who just did the last film, mm. because after Iron Man 2... Nobody else got to direct a second Marvel film in the same, well, at all, or in the same franchise until Joss Whedon, because uh, Branagh didn't come back, Joe Johnston didn't come back, and then, of course, Favreau was gone for Iron Man 3, and so we were uh, dealing with uh, Shane Black for Iron Man 3, and then, of course, he never came back, and then James Gunn and the Russos, of course, would come back, but they hadn't yet when we were, uh, when by the time Avengers Age of Ultron had come out, so... Um, so it's the first time in a while where we're talking about a sequel in which we're not having to add in a director change as part of our build-up conversation. But I remember the initial thought was coming out of Avengers was that we're about to go deal with Thanos in the sequel. That's what everybody thought. At the, at, initially, I don't remember anybody thinking anything about Ultron or anything else other than the Avengers were going to fight Thanos in the sequel. In fact, I remember... I can't remember what outlet it was with, but Kevin Feige had given an interview where he, even he mentioned, I don't know if he specifically said Thanos in Avengers 2, but he had, had actually talked about Civil War being something as an Avengers 3, mm. um, you know, as part of this Avengers trilogy. So I think we can safely say that not everything was mapped out 100% this whole time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think they... I think they've said that you know the first kind of inkling they had of the of the idea of doing an Infinity War or Infinity Gauntlet type of story was when they were making Captain America the first Avenger. But even then, I don't know if they totally had it mapped out how they were going to do it. Um, but clearly, they figured that out over the course of Phase 2 and developing this movie because the first big, big thing I remember about this was Comic-Con 2013 where they mm-hmm. announced the title of this film was going to be Avengers Age of Ultron. And I remember right away thinking, holy shit, Ultron. But then also, what the hell? Age of Ultron is a comic book storyline that just came out this year. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It had just come out like March of 2013. Um, And so, like, and it had only just ended, uh, you know, a couple months before Comic Con. And of course, it was a story by Brian Michael Bendis. But Marvel was quick to clarify that they were just using the name because it was cool. They weren't going to be adapting the uh, they weren't going to be adapting the storyline. So um, I just remember being wowed by it. Just I had no inkling or you know expectation at all that Ultron was going to be. I can't remember, even remember if there were rumors. Maybe there were, and I'm just not remembering. But at, right now, off the top of my head, I can really only remember Ultron dawning on me as soon as we uh, heard that at, at uh, Comic Con 2013. Yeah. Well, I, I'm in the same boat as you, Sean. I, I don't remember any rumors of Ultron showing up. Um, it was one of those things where everyone assumed assumed that it was going to be uh, you know, Thanos because that's what they're building up to. 
Um, you had Guardians of the Galaxy, which or at that point you already we already knew what was going to happen. But yeah, you kind of thought that like things were going to happen, and you kind of already thought, okay, you know, Thanos shows up and you know whatever. And then I remember when they announced uh, they announced that Age of Ultron was the uh, the movie. I just kind of was like, I did a double take. I remember being like, what? What? And it was really surprising that they went down the Ultron route. Now, um, yeah, I've always liked the Ultron character in the mm-hmm. comic books. It was always really interesting and, and uh, you know, just kind of a. But at the same time, knowing his previous origins, it's like, whoa, like you know, because in the comic books, it's Hank Pym who creates mm-hmm. Ultron, you know, and and all that. So it was just kind of like, huh. Like that's weird. So obviously Tony Stark's gonna you know take over that mantle of Hank Pym, yep. which is fine. But uh, no, it was like like you. I was a little surprised, and I was really surprised that they took the title from the comic book series. And uh, I don't know. It was just kind of. I won't lie that I I was I was a little taken aback by it, and just kind of going, "What are they up to exactly?" And it was it was exciting, but it was also just kind of, huh. Yeah, well, especially after you spend a year and a half or maybe a little less than that, but ever since we saw Avengers since May 2012 up until July 2013, thinking that you're getting ready to watch the Avengers battle Thanos, um, and then Ultron. Ultron feels like a letdown from Thanos. Now, in the grand scheme of things, I'm glad they did it this way because what they're going to do with Thanos is so much better and it's going to or it's going to feel so much better because we yeah. built up to this. So, there's no way I would have want, wanted them to do it differently. So, in hindsight, I'm still totally glad that they made the call this way, but at the time, yeah, I was like, well, I don't like Ultron as much as I like Thanos, so but okay, but I I still like Ultron, so that'll be fun. And yeah, I remember thinking well, Hank Pym hasn't been introduced, and but immediately my head just went to, but obviously Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. or obviously Tony Stark is going to be the one who creates Ultron. That just makes sense in the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was just such a natural thing in that story. So I pretty much figured that that's, and, and most of us, I think, figured it figured that out fairly quickly, that that's where, uh, that that's where they were going to go. But yeah, I remember just thinking, wow, that's kind of different. And, and I think they, it was kind of just a... Uh, a feeling of with Joss Whedon being like, oh, so he's really getting to do what he wants. That's that's the one thing I also thought is Joss Whedon must have really wanted to do Ultron because he remember he wasn't signed to do a second Avengers movie immediately after. You know, he was he was a free agent, and within a month, I think Marvel had negotiated a new deal with him where he was going to get to direct an Avengers sequel. And he would also serve as kind of a consultant, you know, overseeing phase two of the MCU. It was like a three-year contract. And so I remember thinking, well, at least we know that this has to be Whedon's pick because he wouldn't have re-signed unless he was getting his choice of villain. So Mm. I was happy that the director was going to be able to tell the story that he wanted to uh, to tell. Now, the other big storyline in all of this was... Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, because I remember, you know, we it became pretty clear early on that there was going to be that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were going to be included, and it wasn't really, and I think it was Joss Whedon who had mentioned at first that he was going to include those characters, and then, uh, you know, or work with those characters, and then all of a sudden Quicksilver was going to be an X Men Days of Future Past, <laughs> <laughs> and ended up, you know, and even though I think Whedon was the one who said it. First, Fox was the one who got Quicksilver into theaters first because X-Men Days of Future Past, of course, came out in 2014. 
uh, May of 2014, a year before uh, Age of Ultron. And I remember at the time thinking, well, I'm going to care more about the Marvel Cinematic Universe vision, but then we, a version of uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. There was no Scarlet Witch in X-Men Days of Future Past, but at least not like a fully developed one. I think... Did the, I don't remember. Did the there was a little there was like there's a, a, there's a kid sister in there, yeah. but yeah, but like they're twins. They're not different ages. So. Yeah, what, whatever. I mean, yeah. it, Brian Signer's universe is yeah. nutty. So who yeah. Cares? So, uh, but and then I remember that kitchen scene in Days of Future Past. I was like, oh, they're gonna have something to live up to, <laughs> just mm-hmm. based on that alone. That's true. Um, but yeah, there was that. There was that part of it. Um, it's it's also funny that uh, I remember that for before Elizabeth Olsen was cast for a long time there was a rumor that Saoirse Ronan who was going to be Scarlet Witch. And I don't know if that if there was truth to the rumor and she turned it down or what happened there but of course she's blown up. I mean she's been no- nominated for multiple Oscars for like Brooklyn and, and Lady Bird last year. But I don't care. I mean, I think Elizabeth Olsen's been great in, uh, been mm-hmm. great in the role, and I wouldn't trade her for anything. But uh, even though Empire would, based on that cover they gave her today, Ooh. I don't know if you saw that. But ugh. Well, mm-hmm. the, the Empire Infinity War covers came out on the day that we're recording this episode, and they look great except for whatever they did to Scarlet Witch's face on that <laughs> magazine cover. Even, even Elizabeth Olsen posted on Instagram and was like, does this look like me? <laughs> Ooh. So anyway, I digress. Um, yes. But yeah, that was the other big part of the buildup, though. It was all that Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver controversy with Disney and Fox both going after those characters within their next uh, their next movies. Yeah the the announcement of Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver wasn't a surprise, given that they're they have a huge uh, history with the Avengers, and it was it was kind of like, huh? So they're going to have two Quicksilvers, and it was weird how Feige said that, like, hey, I we can have two different characters or two mm. the same character in different universes. And cause we share it because of the weird rights thing mm. of, you know, because even though Quicksilver was technically a mutant, well at the time he was a mutant. It's a long story. Um, apparently in the comics, because of, of the movies of the, of the MCU, they retconned that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are no longer the, the, uh, the children of Magneto that they are now actually inhumans or something like mm. that, which is, Really, just I, it's a bummer. I I hope they they change that soon with the Fox deal. They go, oh, just kidding. Yeah. They're actually still mutants. Yeah, you now know, mutant isn't a bad word. Plus, it was yeah. too, it. The thing that was so goofy about it is it was too late anyway. I mean, like exactly the characters were already part of the Fox Marvel universe, so doing that was almost like the. It was just a way to stick it to Fox in a way that's like not sticking it to him at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, Take that, Fox! They're inhumans now, you jerks. It's like yeah. you. It's like. You're really mad at somebody, so you key your own car. <laughs> it's, it's we're gonna, we're gonna screw us over so bad. We're gonna make them inhumans. You're gonna really gonna feel it. Yeah, <laughs> even though they've been mutants for like forty years, it's yeah. like yeah. So I don't know. I it was one of those things where um, Quicksilver is like pretty, you know, a pretty not a standard superhero, but mm-hmm. like. Super speed, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's cool to see what they do with that. But the real thing that was, I was really intrigued was how in the hell they do Scarlet Witch because yeah. she is such an enigma. Like her hex powers are super weird and which Maria Hill has the great line in the movie. Yep. He's you know, fast and she's weird. And she is the pause though. She's weird. And it's yeah. just like, yes, they nailed it they, right there. It makes sense. Cause you still don't even know what her powers powers are in the in the in the mcu no. like 
It's like you, there's you could literally and just like in the comic books, and I think it's ironic how just like in the comics, the movies do the same exact thing where she can pretty much do whatever the writer wants her to do, essentially. So she um, could have literally changed everybody's mind at the airport so they wouldn't fight in civil war. Yeah, the way the way because her power is in Age of Ultron in this movie. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things where. Yeah, she's such a hard. She's not a hard character to write for necessarily because you can l- literally do anything. But like, it's such an, a weird character to use and and a hard character to explain to a mainstream audience. So I was very intrigued what they were going to do with that, and I like the idea that they're incorporating these two like other kind of more not obscure Avengers, but more classic Avengers. Like these guys have been Avengers for a long time and off and on more Scarlet Witch than Quicksilver. I'd say Scarlet Witch has been way more of a mainstay Avenger than he has. So it's only fitting that she would survive. So I don't know. It was really cool. I was, I was really excited to see what they did with those two characters. Yeah. And it was also fitting because Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver, they came into it as like part of the, they were kind of a phase two in the Avengers in the comics too. Cause isn't it like Avengers like 15 or 16 or something like that? Yeah. Where- Cap, that's the first time Cap assembles like a big team of kind of new Avengers where they kind of, I know there had been like Hulk was on the roster and got booted right away, but like (laughs) generally speaking though, like that was the first time where you saw like just the idea of the Avengers having this rotating roster where people who are on the team now aren't necessarily always on the team, but then they can be back on the team depending on how that goes. But, uh, but yeah, the whole Scarlet Witch thing, I was also interested to see how they would adapt that just because in the comics, her powers are whatever that writer and artist want them to be for that story arc. That's, (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the way it's always been. And that's clearly what they've done in the MCU, whether that's intentional or not, because there's stuff that she does in Ultron that she doesn't do in civil war uh, and vice versa. But I mean, it's, it's fine, whatever. Maybe she didn't like the whole idea of mental manipulation anymore. Cause that worked out really, really badly Yes, <laughs> in Ultron. <laughs> so she didn't want to do that again. Um, so that, that's just the way I'll, I'll explain it to myself off screen, uh, for why she does something in Ultron, but not in civil war when it might actually mm-hmm. help solve a problem, at least temporarily. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think those were the main things on, on the build up to, to Ultron. There wasn't really a ton of drama. There was just the surprise that it was going to be Ultron. And then the drama, of course, with, mm-hmm. uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, but everything else was fairly simple and straightforward because we were, Dealing with outside of those two new characters, we were largely dealing with the same cast that we had from the first Avengers film. We were adding in James Spader as the voice of Ultron, which I thought was perfect. I've I've always thought James Spader was a really good actor, but also just super good at being a creepy villain and has a great, great voice. So as soon as he was even mentioned as a possibility for Ultron, I was like, well, that's the guy. (laughs) And, uh, and so then they, they got him and that was that, um, and the only other thing I remember from the buildup before we started getting into trailers was <laughs> I remember those set vi- those uh, set photos when they were shooting in Italy. That was mm. where they, st- they started production in like February 2014, somewhere around there. And I just remember those photos of like the goofy like Ultron stand-in that they had, <laughs> and I remember people freaking out. And I'm like, "That's clearly not it." <laughs> like, Ridiculous. But people were like having a meltdown over that. Like that was going to be how Ultron was going to look. I'm like, guys, this is, it's just there for reference. That's not like that's not, this, this is all just how movies get made. He's going to be completely CG. He's not going to look like this. Um, 
But uh, there was actually, you know what? There was drama with the trailer, and it was perfect for a a villain who exists via technology and and lives uh, lives through the internet. Uh, because remember, I I don't know if you remember. This, oh, I remember. I remember. They had announced the Age of Ultron trailer was going to wasn't it going to debut with like an episode of Agents of Shield or something? Because yeah. mm-hmm. back when they were still trying to goose Agents of Shield ratings with Marvel trailers, um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like it leaked, and everybody started watching it. So then Marvel just like Marvel did the right thing though. And Marvel and Disney were like, okay, fine, that's it. And I think even one of their official tweets was like, "Damn it, Ultron" or something like that. Damn like, it, it's damn it, Hydra. They or damn it, Hydra. Hydra. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So they played they played right into it, and they dropped the trailer. And I really liked that trailer. I thought it was, I thought it really sold Ultron as this very scary, intimidating villain. I I loved the whole there you know there are no strings on me bit uh, from the trailer. Like I. I was really into it from the first uh, from that first trailer of Age of Ultron. I was I was thinking, oh man, like this this is definitely a, a worthy successor to Loki, villain wise, and maybe wasn't quite that way when we saw the movie. But based on the trailer, <laughs> I definitely thought we were getting another great Marvel villain to battle the Avengers. Yeah, it was one of those things where I think that it was it was exciting because you saw you know again this really crazy concept of a cgi villain that was a really cool it's a really it's an amazing concept in the comic books and the general concept i thought worked in the just a little bit that i saw in the trailer um it just seemed a little bit darker it seemed a little bit more like grim mm-hmm. in this in this movie and i hate to it's always that middle film you know the empire strikes back syndrome and you get kind of excited for you know that where you know Joss is going to take these characters and you know you had the you had the Hulkbuster you know show up and you know and, and the, a little bit, I think they showed a little bit of the of the fight scene between the two of the Hulk and Hulkbuster which again is another like really ner- super nerd out concept mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I remember like really liking the trailer and, and like watching a number of times and being like I can't wait to watch this etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's just one of those things where. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things where you just kind of like, oh, huh. And I, I watched it a bunch, and I got really excited for it. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, well, as we'll probably talk here in a minute. Uh, that feeling started to get a little frustrating when they started, you know, releasing like a trailer every week uh, towards the end of the movie or towards the release of the movie. And then I got pretty much to the point where I didn't even want to like watch anything regarding the movie. Yeah, I mean, I know there was one more main trailer that came out in, like, the beginning of March of 2015, and it had that great shot of all the Avengers, you know, going across the screen from left to right in from the opening battle in Sokovia. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's awesome. And there, were, there was other stuff in the trailer that I, I liked as well, but that was the thing that was the main, like, lasting memory. But then, yeah, like, all of a sudden there just started being more clips and all this other stuff. They, they went overboard yes. with the marketing on Age of Ultron, and I actually love that they've... They've clearly pulled that back. Like Marvel has, I think for their last several movies now, they've mainly stuck to a two-trailer format. I think Black Mm. Panther kind of got a third trailer. It's more like two and a half because they got a teaser, a full trailer. Then they got like that one-minute long thing for, or maybe it was like a minute and a half, the the extended TV spot that they played with the college football championship game. Mm. But for the most part, they've been sticking with, just two tra- like one teaser, one full trailer, and that's it. And then like the usual clips for like the talk show circuit and stuff like that, um, which are easy enough to skip and and not watch because I don't watch talk yeah. shows. Yeah, <laughs> and same. I don't watch those clips when they get released online. Um, 
So, yeah, like that, it, they definitely went. Uh, I, I think Marvel has kind of learned restraint with the marketing after Age of Ultron. And so, yeah, I remember being happy about that. But there was the there was another issue though with Age of Ultron, and that it wasn't so much it, it had nothing to do with Age of Ultron. It wasn't really that film's fault. But I'll go back to October two thousand fourteen because this is I think before I think this is before Age of Ultron the before the trailer even debuted or maybe it was right after. But that uh, presentation at El Capitan happened that in October two thousand fourteen. Mm. And so. Before we've even seen Age of Ultron, we've been in. We get Civil War announced. <laughs> we get mm-hmm. Infinity War at the time was part one and part two. Uh, before it became Avengers: Infinity War and whatever Avengers Four ends up being called. So I remember feeling a little bit like, oh, Ultron kind of feels anticlimactic right now, hmm. which is actually why I'm not upset and why I don't mind at all that marvel has not been announcing a bunch of movies like post avengers 4 i'm happy that they haven't because that even though it was exciting because i was there for the presentation and i was pumped but at the same time it made me go for for with age of ultron it, it did take away a little bit of the excitement for age of ultron because now i'm looking forward to all these other movies like three and four years down the line that's not to say i wasn't excited for age of ultron obviously i was but it just wasn't quite, uh, you know, it didn't feel like the Avengers going into it. Even though I, I knew the Avengers would not be like the last Marvel film, it still, because it was the only Avengers the only Avengers film that had been announced at the time, there was still, the event feel was bigger. And plus it was the first time, so I get that. I'm not trying to dismiss that as part of it. But just when you know that there's a Civil War movie that's going to include most of the Avengers and then two more Avengers movies coming just mm. within the next three years after Age of Ultron hits theaters, it's a little, you know, it, it does make, it did make, going into Ultron, it made it feel a little anticlimactic, like, oh, okay, so, like, clearly everybody's, look, like, Marvel's ready to move on to something else, <laughs> like, immediately after this. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, it, I, I mean, I don't know how that affected you, but it definitely, it definitely tempered my enthusiasm, specifically for Ultron, my my MCU anticipation was at an all-time high, but specific mm-hmm. to Ultron, it was a little diluted because I was, <laughs> like, you know, had my focus elsewhere, too. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where uh, I, I was anticipating uh, Episode 7, um, mm-hmm. and that really played into part with my anticipation for Age of Ultron because... And the Spider-Man Karen- deal three months before... Yeah, yeah, there there you go. I mean, there was a lot like going on, and I think you make a great point. Um, The last uh, two, the last two and a half, three months before Ultron came out was dominated not by Ultron news, but by Spider-Man casting rumors for Civil War. (laughs) And and that's the thing. Like, so you had, I and I remember the announcement for uh, Spider-Man. I was in the rain walking, and I remember you, you had texted me, and I and I ran home. To like, you know, get on the a, a last minute podcast mm-hmm. with you, and you know, because I, I remember the I, that's right, because I remember they started releasing Entertainment Weekly uh, articles or you know a big spread, kind of like Empire, right when the announcement was made, and it was like it definitely interfered. There was just a lot going on that I think got in the way. I think Star Wars got in the way a little bit because remember the first major tra- uh, trailer was going to be attached to Ultron. And so, um, 
that was a big was a big play because I remember uh, Celebration came out right before that, mm-hmm. and it was a big deal. And I remember be- people, you know, be- I-, I remember be- I couldn't I didn't even think about Age of Ultron that much because I was such a Star Wars high. And you also add in the fact of the Civil War news, the Spider Man news. I mean, there's just so much going on. You just kind of go, oh yeah, there's that there's that uh, Age of Ultron movie that's going to come out soon. You know, whatever. So it was just kind of a it was a it was a kind of a weird time. And I think that they just like you said. They kind of they kind of spent their wad, if you will, you know, or blew their water, like right before Age of Ultron came out. And I think people just were, you know, and I think I really do think the over marketing of the movie didn't help either. There were so many different things that people were excited for, and then you know, Age of Ultron's coming out. All right, cool. I'm gonna see this see this movie, and then it goes, uh, okay. I'm tired of seeing I'm, I'm tired of seeing this this stuff. Let's let's you know, they want to move on, and, and obviously, the movie made a ton of money still, but. For me, I know me personally, I knew I wasn't alone in that. I knew age, it felt like Age Ultron, at least in the fandom circles that I was, you know, kind of running around besides, you know, the, you, know you Sean, and, and me, um, was just that it was more of like, okay, Age Ultron, yeah, I'm going to go see it, whatever. There were, it's, it seemed to lack excitement. Oh, like a over excitement. Well, like yeah, were, I mean, it felt more yeah. like the next step as opposed to the main event. Yes, in yes, the way and, I, that, and the yeah. way that the first Avengers film felt, and also the way that Infinity War now feels. Um, yeah, yeah, know, exactly. Ultron, Ultron just never, never quite felt that way. Now it still did amazing. Like it opened 190 million plus uh, at the box office. I mean, although. And it probably could have done a little bit more, but another huge thing, although this wasn't build up anymore because the movie was out, uh, the another huge thing was that Saturday night of that opening weekend was the Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao fight that had been you know that had been talked about and hyped for years of trying to put that fight together, and it was a huge pay per view sell, and that's what people were doing that Saturday night was watching that fight instead of going to the movies. Um, but let's get into our own. Uh, our own first viewing. So even though you were <laughs> full on like in star Wars mode, yes. did you at least make it to, Oh no, this is after you had made your switch from Thursday nights to Fridays. Is it, was that what you stuck with for? Ultron? Well, yeah. So, um, I took the day off of, of work still. And, uh, and if, now this is around the NFL draft and I'm a big NFL guy. So I was, my brother and I always go see, um, watch the draft together. Usually more often than not, don't miss very many years and we'll watch the first, the second, the third days together. So like we'll rotate houses and, and whatnot. So Thursday night, um, I wasn't going to go, even though I already had that day off, I was watching the draft with my brother and I just would watch age of on the next day with my buddy Jim. Um, and so my buddy Jim and I, uh, he, I met him at a comic book store, and uh, he's a pastor at a church in Seattle. Super, super cool dude, and a big, big comic book fan. We uh, we played Hero Clicks together, that little miniature game, which I was mm. terrible at, by the way. Really, <laughs> really bad. I'm just bad at st- strategic stuff like that. I'm just terrible. I'm a dummy. So um, anyway, we I got to know him through that, and we. Um, obviously I was like, Hey, like my brother, he loves, he got me into comic books when I was a kid, but he's not as big into it as, as I am. So I'm like, Hey Jim, let's go to see this movie. He goes, yeah, let's do it, man. So we went and saw it and he hates 3d. So we saw it in like this, this like really small, like theater for like the first time. And I was like, man, we got screwed, dude. <laughs> and he's like, sorry. And, uh, we watched it and I, I just I can remember I was excited because you know it's Avengers right I mean come on and I was really jazzed up and and I was ready to see it and I'm like okay I'm ready to see this movie and saw it and both we both kind of looked at each other and was like 
I don't know. It was, it was all right. We both, we, we literally we literally looked at each other and just kind of semi shrugged and went, eh, eh, eh. and I it was one of those things where I it took me a while to you know I went to my brother's my brother's house that night and I kind of thought about it and tweeted about it a little bit and I was being like you know saving my reaction for the you know for our show and I just remember thinking like man I got it was one of those things where. I had to make myself go see it again, even though I didn't really want to. Is that it was probably the first MCU film that you know up until then I didn't really want to see a second time. Like I was the first one in a long, long time. Even Iron Man three, I wanted to see right away. You know, usually, but like with with Avenger, even Dark World, I saw it like you know I was like, oh yeah, let's go see it with my brother, blah blah blah. But this time I saw I like I thought like, do I really want to see this again? And I remember my wife and I, we, we, we were, we were walking around, um, we were walking around the, the mall, uh, like this one Saturday and she goes, you know, we're getting stuff. And I said, you know, would you want to see Avengers with me? And she's not in these movies. And she goes, yeah, I'll do that. It's fine. So I went and saw it again in a bigger, in a better theater this time. It wasn't IMAX, I don't think, but it was a better theater. And I liked it a little bit more, but not much. And I had a, a well, as we'll get into the main problems, um, a little bit later, but yeah, it was one of those things where I hated, I hated the fact I didn't love it. Like I did the first Avengers movie, which is still probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Just, you know, for so many different levels, but yeah, it was one of those, it was the first time where I left the theater in probably a long time where I left the theater, just really disappointed. It wasn't a terrible movie, but it wasn't even near to my expectations. Yeah, the first time I got to see it, it was a few weeks before it came out because I got that. So it was another one like Guardians where I got to go to the junket. And so they held it, a f- yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it was like three weeks before the movie came out. And so I saw it on the Disney lot in their main theater there. And I really liked it, but at the same time, I had issues with it. Like there were parts of the movie that I absolutely loved. And then there would be moments that just didn't land. And that's why, like, I don't, I don't totally agree with all the hate for age of Ultron. Absolutely not. Cause I will still say that I like this movie and I still think it's mostly a solid movie. It just has some missteps. My, my overall impression about age of Ultron and I've seen it. I, I went back and watched it multiple times in the theater um, and I've seen it multiple times since it's been available at home. And my impression just, it hasn't even moved like the slightest because I still feel the same way in that there are parts of this movie that are some of my favorite scenes and moments in the entire MCU, but it just never comes together as cohesively as the Avengers. And now I, I didn't go into it expecting it to top the Avengers because I don't, I don't like doing that with comic book or with any movies uh, in general, but specifically with comic book movies. Cause I just feel like there are some movies that are so good. It's almost unfair to just go into another movie being like, well, it's gotta be as good as this all time. Great. Or I'm disappointed. Um, Cause it, it just, it, it, it's almost like it's starting off in this negative spot. So you know, I, I kind of cleared myself of that mentality and just watched it. And I mean, there were things that were blowing me away. Like I really enjoyed the the opening bit in Sokovia. I had some issues with some lines and stuff here and there, but like the language moment had me laughing. I liked a lot of the action. 
Um, I love the Hulk versus Hulkbuster fight. I love the whole hammer thing with the at the party scene, and I loved how that set up with uh, Vision later. And I pretty much loved every like every single thing with Vision in this movie. I absolutely loved. There were a lot of moments with Ultron that I liked too, but there's like, and I've we'll get into it later. But like, it's there's a mo- point in the movie where I think it needs to make a turn, and it doesn't make the turn. Um, but yeah. But and then it but it still like kind of is a little uneven, but keeps delivering moments that I like and that keep me into it. Like I mean that last scene between Vision and Ultron, and I'll talk more about it as we go on. But I love that scene. I think it's one of the all time best scenes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there's just that's why Ultron has always been kind of frustrating for me. The movies that so if I talk. If I end up sounding more negative than positive over the course of this episode, it's not because I don't like the movie. It's actually because I like it. But when I like a movie, but it has problems that I feel like were easy enough to fix, that's what frustrates me more than if I just don't like a movie. Because if I just don't like it, then I can just write <laughs> it off and be like, okay, I don't want to talk about that movie anymore. Mm-hmm. But when the movie has good stuff going for it and then it just doesn't capitalize on them uh, by tightening up everything else, that's when it becomes... Uh, uh, kind of frustrating. But, you know, another cool part of my experience with this movie is that, uh, you know, and this is, I'm sorry, it's just going to be bragging, but, <laughs> like, this was the first time I also got to go to a Marvel premiere. So, like, we went to the junket, and then my buddy Mark Hughes got invited to the premiere, had a plus one, hooked me up. And so there we were at the Age of Ultron premiere, which was pretty crazy to be in an Avengers premiere. Like, that was just... I've been to a few premieres since then, but nothing's been quite like that Avengers Age of Ultron premiere. Like, it's just, I, although I would imagine the Infinity War premiere will just be nuts because it's Avengers and, and Guardians. But, man, that Age of Ultron premiere was was pretty kick-ass. But, um, yeah, like, my my overall sense of the film, though, it just, it, it's been, well, oh, I guess it's only been three years. It's not like it's been forever. <laughs> but uh, throughout all my, my viewings of the film, I just still settle in the same spot, which is, I love a lot of what's happening here. I just wish I loved all of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so Age of Ultron is one of those films where there's there's so much good stuff in it and there's so much mediocrity and just moments where I just kind of just you know and and we all and I'll get to I'll get to the, the 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 elephant in the room which I know Sean knows exactly where I'm going with this one but before I get there I'm going to say some things I love about the movie which I'd say do I hate this movie or, li- or don't like this movie? No, no, no. I like this movie. I think this movie is is like you said. Like you wish you you could either hated it or loved it, or because at least you could like you know cling to things like about it or whatever. Um, or you said not like it, not hate it. I said hate. Yeah, it would be easy. Yeah, but it would be easier if you could just have like just say it's all it all sucks and what is it? let's just get rid of it and not talk about it in the MCU anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be very easy. And the thing is that there is so much good stuff in it that. You just kind of just are just baffled of some of the decisions they made, and again, it, it's like it, I've been thinking. I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like even with like with episode eight, Ryan Johnson, it's like Joss Whedon, the same kind of thing. Like how much freedom do you give a filmmaker, and how much do you let them kind of have free reign on these characters? And that's what I kind of feel that they did with Joss Whedon. They gave him a little too much freedom because of all his success in the Avengers, and. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I don't fault them because because at that point, you I mean, Whedon has like Marvel cred up the wazoo and, you know, writing the comics himself is a, you know, established screenwriter, producer and, you know, TV director. And he made Avengers, a, one of the biggest movies ever made. 
And, you know, so it's like, of course, you give him all the, the freedom that you can. And I feel like they didn't they should have reined him in a little bit more. And I'm not. And again, like it, it's it's interesting to I'm interested to see like interviewing Kevin Feige, like would say 15 years later from now, like and asking about like, you know, his, his experience on Age of Ultron and Joss and things like that, where it's he's got enough distance and that he's probably never going to work with them again. He's retired or yeah, when he's no longer working for Disney or Marvel either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's and he can just speak his mind. I, I can't wait to see like of where he maybe have disagreed with Joss and then kind of just said, you know what, but you have that kind of, uh, that power because you, you had so much success. So, um, that being said, uh, like, like the opening battle is amazing. Uh, it's a shame. It's a real bummer that they killed Baron Strucker off right away. I love Baron Strucker in this movie. They also um, the made Str- him a joke. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, like, I was, re- you know, we see this guy in the captain America, winter soldier mid credit scene and he seems very intimidating and he just you know now i wasn't expecting strucker to be obviously we knew he wasn't the main villain and i don't even care that he was dispatched uh in the opening scene like i think that's i've always actually been a fan of that and have asked for more of that in comic book movies of just as a way to get more villains in these movies exactly why don't we have an opening action scene where they take down a villain who can't carry their own movie but could at least just be an amusing part to you know show that and by amusing though i don't mean like literally we're laughing at them like no surrender i'm going to surrender like everything about him is just yucks and that's where i think joss whedon couldn't help himself Mm. was just for when when people complain about the way marvel steps on every single moment with a joke i think this is the one that is like the greatest weapon to use in that argument like I don't mm. wholly agree with that argument in most cases, but this is one where it pretty much does again and again. And 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 the problem is that the jokes aren't really uh, uh, not all of them anyway, but a lot of the jokes are not that good. Like, and some stuff just doesn't ring true. Like after Ultron attacks them at Avengers Tower, why is Tony giggling in that scene? Like it doesn't make sense, and it's not even really a great performance in Downey. Like I think it's his worst scene in the entire MCU. I don't really mm. believe it very much. Um, there's just stuff in there that's just kind of goofy, like unnecessarily goofy in this, Mm -hmm. you know, and awkward. And, and it's, it's really, but that was another part of kind of the buildup slash release of this movie was Joss Whedon just trashing his whole experience. You know, was Joss, I mean, how many interviews was he giving where he was talking about having to, you know, compromise so much and this and that. And, and it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, well, if Joss Whedon had just been allowed to do what he wanted to do. But if you actually listen to the interviews where he, especially the one, I think it was Empire or something else where they, he talked about putting, you know, there were two things that they put a gun to, or you even phrase it as putting a gun to the head of one of the scenes if like, and he had to give it up was he had to choose between more of the Thor subplot, which I don't really think works at all. And the, Hawkeye family on the farm the subplot. So what and those that those were the things that he seemed to be the most upset about. And that's why I when fans say, you know, Marvel should just let directors do what they want to do, I think for the most part Marvel does, but when they don't think it's a good idea, they're gonna say it because the stuff that when for all the people who say that, that Age of Ultron would have been better if Joss Whedon had just been left alone. The stuff that most people complain about are the things that Whedon was fighting hardest for. So I don't put this on Marvel for the the shortcomings of of Age of Ultron. I really don't. I, I think a lot of it comes from 
Joss Whedon. Now, I also think, though, I want to give Whedon credit here because I think people have never given Age of Ultron enough credit on like some of the other like the bigger levels that I think this movie works on, and that's why I do enjoy Ultron despite some faults. Um, and I and I absolutely love Vision is because I think thematically, and Joss Whedon has said like this movie is he's called this movie like one of the most personal or the most personal movie he's ever made. And like, he even later when he got over some of whatever hard feelings he had, you know, I remember a couple months later he was at Comic Con and he was talking about how he uh, you know how he was you know thanking Marvel for letting him make uh, such a big personal movie is that I do think there is this level on which Ultron works thematically. If Joss Whedon wor- I think in many ways it represents Joss Whedon as a person struggling with his own evaluation of humanity. Like, I think Ultron, and this is probably where some of the things don't work as well for him, but anyway, mm-hmm. I think Ultron and Vision both represent Joss Whedon and his own internal dialogue in this movie in terms of what he thinks of humanity. And, and maybe that's the same internal dialogue that a lot of people have, where Ultron is... The cynical, everybody sucks. Even when they try to do things right, they end up being monsters and destroying things anyway. And Vision is the one who's more about hope and has that great line of a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. Like I I think there is this internal dialogue for Joss Whedon in terms of his own cynicism versus his own feelings of hope and that the hope actually wins out in the end with Vision. So on that level, I think Ultron works, and that's where I give it a lot of credit because it does... I think it does pull off that theme. Uh, unfortunately, the delivery mechanism around that theme just doesn't always click into place. Yeah, you know, it's really hard for me to get into themes in, in some of these MCU films and, and Whedon. Uh, I, I liked Firefly from Whedon, and, you know, it's I, that's really... I didn't watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer or anything, and so my, my my appreciation and love for Whedon has always been just based on the Avengers and Firefly. And, and even then, it's like, you know, I was like, cool, you know, whatever. It was weird to see him react around the movie and just kind of acting like, again, like he was upset about something. He was he was definitely his pride was hurting. And you, you could tell the way he was acting online on, you know, with interviews. And, you know, and if we're talking about some of these things like that needed to go like the Thor subplot and the Hawkeye subplot or, uh, you know, a rip off of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nineties uh, film, the first one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that's one of your all time great pulls in a review. Oh God, I just could not believe it. Like I literally, as, as it was happening in the theater, I was like, he's literally taking it from not even from the movie, the comic books. He stole it from, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books. I read the comic books re- uh, like last year, and it's like the, the movie is basically the first Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is basically like the first like twelve you know thirteen issue run of you know the original Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtle black and white comic books, which they go out to a you know a, a, a house and regroup and together and they find themselves and whatever. So it, well, it was, at least Natasha didn't sketch you know, Hulk in the bathtub or something. Oh, oh God, that, I, that probably did happen was cut. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, the thing is, I remember just like, I remember leaning to my friend Jim and I said, dude, this is from the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me like weird. And I was like, never mind. But it was just one of those things where I'm kind of watching this. I'm like, this is like stupid. Like, I'm like, seriously, like I just I kept thinking like when is this going to be over? Because it was so obvious that we didn't want to get him in, you know, in this like they're all 
you know, all, they're all bummed out and hurt and need to regroup, quote unquote. And, 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 you know, I'm like, what are we going to do? You know, and it's just like, guys, what the hell? And it just, it felt like it was so forced to me to sit. He like, it's like, you know, it felt like just a, a scene for Whedon to basically just be like, oh yeah, so awesome. This is so good. Like for him. And it's like, dude, this is terrible. Like no one cares about this. Like you can literally cut this whole part out in my opinion. And I don't think like, you could probably make it work. And again, it looked like from what you're telling me, Marvel like gave him a, an ultimatum, like one's got to go. And the fact that, that that was an option just baffles me that Marvel even let it in. It feels like it stops the whole movie. And then it picks up again when they go to North Korea. Is I think it's North Korea. No, um, South Korea. My bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. One of the Koreas, it's my bad. It's a lot bad. harder to go to North Korea. Uh, that's true. Um, but anyway, um, but they go to Korea and – you know, it picks back up and I'm like, and there's an amazing fight scene with Captain America. And I'm like, man, this is great. So, and it just, it felt to me, the movie kind of just drags it it'd go, it'd be solid and then be drag. And it just kind of would do that every once in a while. And it just, you know, that scene itself, I just, and again, to me, well, I can never fix Hawkeye. Like, I feel, I think that like, when I think of Clint Barton, you know, and again, my Clint Barton from the 616 universe, and I know I'm bringing my own baggage into this, but I can't freaking help it, is, you know, I think of Clint Barton as an arrogant asshole who is, um, you know, is selfish, and it's hard for him to be a team player, and I love that character. Um, you know, I don't like the I don't like the fact he's an asshole, but I like the idea that he represents the individuality of a team, and that how sometimes you have to be an individual in a team, and it also represents how it is it's it's a struggle for some people to be on a team, and as we all know in our daily jobs, unless you work independently completely, um, you know you have to work with people you don't always get along with or see eye to eye with, and it's very difficult. Clint to me represented that that idea of the Avengers. He was a former villain in the comic books. There's so many cool things you could have done. And again, you already have black widow and them having a, a close relationship. And I'm not talking about romance. I'm t- I like the idea of these two characters like identifying with each other because they right. both had checkered past. Well, that gets, that gets pretty much thrown out the window is like Clint's basically a family man, you know, in Nebraska sitting like, Okay, guys, let's go chop some wood. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not Clint Barton. And it's really <laughs> frustrating to me. And I just like I remember just thinking, No, you did not ruin Clint Barton, Joss Whedon. You did not do this to me. And he did. He ruined Clint Barton. I think Joss Whedon was overcompensating for the fact that he shortchanged Hawkeye in the first Absolutely. film. Absolutely. I think yes. there was yeah, there was a thing of somewhere in there of like, I gotta do right by this character i've got to give this character uh more layers and and more story and i and i have to do all that and and you know i i don't hate the farm stuff i i don't well let me put it this way i don't hate the idea of it i i I don't hate the idea of it i don't hate the idea of hawkeye having a family because even though i certainly love hawkeye by himself in a crappy apartment and matt fractions run you know, I'm I'm all about that Hawkeye and also just classic Clint Barton kind of on his own. Mm-hmm. I, you know, all of the Avengers kind of are on their own. So I don't mind the idea of, of Whedon being like, what if one of these guys has a family? And what, ex- you know, what does that mean? And so I think there there was something interesting there. But the most interesting, the, the best scene in that sequence has nothing to do with Hawkeye's family. It's Tony and Steve arguing at the arguing with each other while they're chopping firewood 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's amazing. It's one of my favorite cap lines is every time someone tries to win a war before it starts, innocent people die every time. Like, I love that. I love that scene so much. And, but unfortunately, I mean, you could have had that scene anywhere that didn't have to be at the Barton family home. Like that could have, that could have happened at any other location. Um, so I don't, it's, it's just weird. Like there's just some things that don't, it just doesn't totally click. And, but the one thing that, that just needed to go entirely and that I think Marvel and Joss Whedon, so I'll put this on everybody that they should have figured out is that I always felt like they should have known within the script stage that this Thor stuff just wasn't working. Like Thor's just, he has some vision and then he goes and splashes around in a pool and now he knows everything about <laughs> Infinity Stones. But then now we fast forward to Thor Ragnarok and he knows nothing about Infinity Stones. <laughs> so like clearly. Well, he went looking and he couldn't find any. Okay. But in his investigations, like he doesn't even, like he doesn't even name drop Thanos. Yes. So it's like. Thanos is a big enough figure. People know who that guy is in Guardians of the Galaxy. So if Thor was really searching the cosmos that hard, uh, you think he would have stumbled upon some information <laughs> that would have been relevant to mention <laughs> as he's going through everything with, uh, you know, as he's you know recanting his story, uh, recanting his story with the skeleton in Thor Ragnarok. So like it never went anywhere. They don't really capitalize. You know, Marvel doesn't do anything with. Thor's investigation that he has coming out of this movie anyway, and I think that's because they just realized it wasn't a great idea. Um, you know, like it was just it was it was all set up for Infinity War, and it was it was actually the kind of mistake that Marvel wasn't supposed to do anymore because they were supposed to have learned after Iron Man two, in which I actually didn't never thought they did it that bad, but I actually think in terms of which movie is worse about doing something that serves other movies besides the one that we're in. It's totally Age of Ultron. It is 100% Age of Ultron. Like, and I know the the only thing that Thor's subplot helps them do is kind of trust Vision. But I mean, the hammer pull is. But but again, nothing. There's no argument that Thor makes that convinces them. It's just Vision lifting the hammer. That's what convinces them. So <laughs> it was just weird. Like it didn't ultimately pay off much of anything. It was just kind of goofy. And once again, kind of like we talked about before, like Whedon just didn't know what to do with Thor. You really just didn't know what to do with him. Uh, that's pretty clear in the first Avengers movie. Like I, I mean, I still love him, and he does some good, some cool stuff in there. But he's cl- of the supposed big three in the Avengers. Like it really kind of became the big two because of uh, Tony and Steve, and Thor was just kind of there, and or not. Like <laughs> I know we all just got our asses kicked, and everything's terrible. But uh, and I know I just broke some kids' toys. But screw this, I'm out of here. <laughs> you guys deal. <laughs> you guys deal with this farm shit. I'm gone. Well, I, you know, and the thing that also one of the Whedon's strengths was he used everyone so well. Even Hawkeye, I, don't, I think the Hawkeye thing was more of just like feeling bad for Jeremy Renner, which I could care less about, you know, like whatever. But I mean, like I think he did a good job of really sh- giving everyone something to do, and get you know one of his strengths was bringing that whole idea of the superhero team, like the Avengers, and making them all work together and have everyone have a moment to shine and really build off their, you know, and we have some character development and i think like you bring up a great point sean is that 
it was it seems obvious that Whedon had no idea how to use Thor. So it's like, oh, uh, how do I get rid of him off screen for a while and make him do and make him like, you know, have a reason to like give vision life essentially. Um, you know, it's like, oh, it'll just go off in this really weird random adventure, you know, adventure. Like, why isn't Thor just hammering the <laughs> shit out of Ultron? Like why, I, yeah, why exactly. is that not happening? Like, so yeah. Uh, even like when, when Ultron like bails at, from the party after he attacks them, uh, Thor's like, the trail has gone, goes cold after a hundred miles. I'm like, that's all you can keep up the chase for is a hundred miles. <laughs> like you're Thor. <laughs> like, what is this? I don't, you know, like it, it, we just, this movie definitely ignores how powerful Thor is. I, I think it's, it's definitely guilty of that. Like there's not really a lot of great power moments for Thor until the very end when he busts Sokovia apart. But what's kind of funny is that Thor is the guy who always abandons his post in a, in Whedon's Avengers movies. He's told to bottleneck the wormhole in Avengers, and he does it, and it works, but then he leaves for no reason. Then we just find out that he's gone elsewhere. Uh, and then in Age of Ultron, he's the one who's supposed to be guarding the center of the city so that if Ultron doesn't touch it and drop the city before the Avengers are ready, and Thor's there, ready to stop Ultron... And then all of a sudden, some Ultron body like crawls up and is able to do it. Thor's not there, but then he's instantly back as the city starts dropping. I don't really know if he went to go get a sandwich, had to take a, had to take a win, you know. I don't know. I really don't know what what's going on with Thor. Well, like we didn't just like even like he literally loses track of Thor in the movies. <laughs> well, I think one of the problems too is you have two, you know, and this is a, this is a comic book thing too to think about is that you can't really have two strong players like the Hulk and Thor on the same team. It, you just kind of, they're going to win everything. I, and I remember thinking that in the beginning of the movie, when the Hulk and Thor are on there, I'm like, they could take out this whole encamp, encampment themselves. Like they don't even need, you know, yeah. the other Avengers. Like, it's like, it's almost like, why do they send everyone else? Why can't they send well, the Ultron, Hulk himself? Well, well, with Ultron, it's fine because the threat isn't really that physical. Because when Ultron can just, like, you know, disappear, like, as soon as you destroy his body, like, you can't physically kill him. That's what actually nullifies Hulk and Thor. So that's right. what they needed to do was, like, show Hulk and Thor just, like, smashing the shit out of a bunch of Ultron bots. But it doesn't matter because there's just going to be another Ultron right after that. Like, it's... You know, it's it's okay to show that it does and that in this battle it doesn't actually matter how strong you are. You know, it's it's a mm-hmm. you know, this is a different kind of enemy that you're fighting, but I don't wanna I don't wanna let Ultron off the hook before we go. <laughs> oh no. Uh, you know what's coming from me too, Sean. Uh well you hate the eyes, I hate the mouth. Um, <laughs> and together we hate Ultron. <laughs> uh, no, like I'm kidding. I'm here's because I really wanted Ultron to be like I don't hate Ultron in this movie. I like Ultron, but I thought from those trailers that I was going to love Ultron. <laughs> I thought Ultron, I didn't expect him to be better than Loki because Loki was freaking amazing, but I expected him to be firmly in second place when I came out of that movie. And I remember watching, like, initially. I was okay with it, you know, even though, like, he had this weird, like, Tony Stark-esque sense of humor. I'm like, okay, well, like, Tony Stark is his, quote, dad, so to speak, in this movie. So, I'm okay, like, I understand, like, he's he's born of the mind of Tony Stark in, in a lot of ways. And so that's, 
uh, you know, I was like, that's okay, I get it. So that's that's what you're going for. But you can't do that the whole time. Like, there's a moment in the movie, it's where Andy Serkis shows up as Claw, and he actually compares Ultron to Stark. And Ultron gets really, really mad at that. And I felt that should have been the moment where Ultron stopped being like Tony Stark and actually just went into full Ultron mode. That would have made sense, and it would have been a cool progression of the character when he's like, oh yeah, I have been kind of cracking jokes like dear old dad, and I can't do that because that's not me. I'm not him, and, I, and now like I'm just going to be super serious and handle my business. If they had done it that way, it would have made total sense and actually would have made Ultron a much more interesting character, and I think it would have made him a very intimidating and imposing villain by the end of the film, but he never quite got there because every time he's doing something evil, he's also cracking jokes and, and more jokes and more jokes and more jokes. And Ultron is the guy where I think out of every character in this movie, Whedon just couldn't help himself. Like, it, it, And in fact, I know the, the idea was, let me make Ultron into Tony Stark, but he actually sounds a lot more like Joss Whedon than anybody else. <laughs> Yeah, I the the Ultron thing was kind of something that it took me a little bit of time to kind of warm up to, and I've accepted it now. And ex- especially the fact that you know, again, he's 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 modeled not after Hank Pym, he's modeled after Tony Stark. So the quips are whatever. And I think you make a, make a great point too. That's also Joss Whedon. Um, the the overall design of of Ultron was weird because I thought it looked cool in the trailer, but seeing it like you know on screen a little bit more. Uh, a little not really my thing and i think the mouth was definitely was kind of weird but again i go back to the eyes the eyeballs thing was just why do you have to give them eyeballs like you know there's to me like the 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 ultron drones looked more like ultron and looked cooler than ultron himself in my opinion like i thought they looked way better and they looked more menacing too like the fact they try to make him look more human and give him like a mouth that moves you know, and instead of just like, you know, a, a basic like uh, like Ultron in the comics has a mouth, but it's like doesn't really, it's not like lips or anything like, anything like that. But um, but yeah, like it was just weird because it, it almost feels like Marvel felt like they had to humanize him to make him relatable and to be like, oh, we make him sympathetic and why he wants, you know, the world to be safe. And it's like, no, make him an evil, make him like look like menacing. Like, I don't think like to me. He never looked menacing. I, again, I go back to the drones. The drones looked more menacing to me than him because, again, if you give him, if you don't give him eyeballs, and I, people are wondering what's my big deal with eyeballs. Well, here's the deal: the fact that he gives him eyeballs, the fact that you give you give him like this kind of warmness. Again, okay, like you, you got this idea of someone that is like, oh, this person's like a, a real person, or it's a, per, a suit of armor, if you will. And you know, again, you have like this kind of a a way to relate to the character in any way. But these drones are more like deadpan. And that's what I feel is more true to Ultron than it is to the actual character that we got. And to me, I I just think that they made a big mistake with the design that he didn't look, he didn't look menacing enough. And I feel like if they made him more menacing and even like just drop the jokes down a little bit, I really do feel that they would have been a little bit more successful because Spader, you said itself yourself has a great voice and mm-hmm. he's got a, he's a great bad guy. And so I felt like the material they gave him wasn't probably what even he was expecting in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, I because when he in those moments where Ultron gets to be menacing, like he's great, and but then they just they undercut it, uh, you know, pretty much every single time. I overall, I like the design of Ultron. I like the way that he looked. It's just there's some shots where the way they they kind of gave him lips, and it just makes it look in some shots where it just looks weird. Just reminds me of like Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blade, the way that he talks, uh, not with the delivery of the voice, but just the way he moves his lips. Um, yeah, there's just stuff in there that I'm just eh, not so not so thrilled about. But um, there's but there's other stuff there that I like. I mean, I, I I know some people don't like the whole Bruce and Natasha thing. I like the Bruce and Natasha relationship. I was good with that. Um, I liked, again, I, I liked the, the seeds that they planted between Tony and Steve did a good job setting up, uh, you know, civil war and showing these characters, you know, really arguing. And, and even after Avengers where it seemed like they kind of worked through their stuff to show that, no, these guys are still very different people. And that's going to ultimately lead to uh, bigger and bigger conflicts. So can, so that stuff I thought was, was effective in there. And there's a lot of great shots in the movie like and there are great moments so i mean when all the avengers are at the center of the city fighting the ultron bots i love that shot um i i I also love one of my favorite moments in the movie is that speech that hawkeye gives to scarlet witch uh you know the when he says if you you know if you step out door that door and you fight you fight to kill like you are an avenger like i love that speech um you know i remember watching it uh on opening night because i always take like a big group of my family and my my niece, who was I think I don't know fourteen or fifteen at the time, like just like started applauding when she heard that speech because like she was identifying with Scarlet Witch, and so like seeing some, you know an Avenger get to tell you that if you go out there and fight alongside them, you're an Avenger just like they are. Like I thought that was great, um, so I really I really enjoyed that moment. And even though I I agree that the with a lot of people that the Quicksilver death didn't mean as much as it could have because we were we only just met him in this movie. I still thought that was mostly handled well, primarily because of the way Scarlet Witch reacts to it. Um, and I thought so. I thought that mostly worked. So that's where Age of Ultron just is for me. Is there's just these things that I feel like you know the Thor stuff is what frustrates me the most because I just I just don't know how with Marvel and all the smart, all the really really smart decisions that they've made over the past 10 years with all of these movies, you know, that they just didn't see the issues with that uh, earlier, you know, before they even bothered shooting it. Or maybe they did, and maybe that was just the fight, is maybe they were like, hey, this isn't working, and Joss is like, let me shoot it, and I'll show you. And then (laughs) shot it, and like, well, it's still just like Thor splashing around in a bathtub. Like, we appreciate (laughs) that we'll have shirtless Chris Hemsworth in the trailer, but other than that, this isn't really serving any function. Um yeah, so that's that's where Ultron is for me. It's always going to be a bit of a mixed bag, but I lean positive on it just because the moments that I love in this movie, I really, really love them. And and I still think, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll just expand on it just to, enough to say, like I still think Hulk versus Hulkbuster is one of my favorite action sequences in the MCU. I think they I think they handled that fight beautifully. Like I, I think it's executed very, very well. I enjoy that uh, every time I watch the movie because that's kind of how when I'm watching Age of Ultron, it's more of a more of a background movie because I, you know, if I'm doing something else, then I can you know tune out just a bit when it gets to the parts that I'm not loving. But whatever <laughs> I'm doing, I will stop it and I will watch uh, a few of those key scenes in the movie, but especially that Hulk versus Hulkbuster fight. Um, I always loved it. Just like when I would go see it in the theater, 
if I was working my way through some of the stuff I didn't love, once we got to Hulk versus Hulkbuster, it was game on, and I, you know, they uh, they had my full attention. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think there's lots of great stuff in this. There's just there's just a, a little weir- a couple weird things, and you know, Vision's great. Um, uh, he really, even though again his eyeballs bugged me at first, I got used to him. Um, but because uh, again in the comic books he doesn't have eyeballs; he's got dead eyes. It's like just plain. And um, but that being said, I I, I firmly enjoyed uh, Paul Bettany as. as as vision. And I thought he was, he, to me, he really did like came alive to me the second time I saw the movie and I went, okay, he really amps it up for me. So I, I love his introduction to this in, into the MCU. I thought it was perfect. Uh, I thought it was played perfectly by, uh, Paul Bettany. So to me, he really did salvage the movie a little bit for me in a sense to where he kind of, you know, got me ready to go and uh and, and loving everything so yeah I, there's there's lots of great stuff in this movie it's just it's doesn't it's long it feels like there's just parts of it that you could easily skip and but at the same time there's some good stuff but i will admit if i do when, when we eventually do a ranking on uh these films sean that i probably it probably be in the lower i'm not sure how low but it's in a lower tier for sure oh it would definitely be lower tier on mine because there are but it's not uh but remember, you can go all the way down to the bottom of my rankings on Thor: The Dark World, and I still like that movie. So that's kind of where that—that's what I. One of the many things I appreciate and can and that I have appreciated and continue to appreciate about Marvel is, even when they have movies that don't work a hundred percent all the way through, they make sure that you get at least some moments that you can really enjoy and you can still be entertained and still have an overall entertaining and enjoyable experience and i definitely had that with ultron i didn't walk out hating it or upset or anything like that the frustration that i have now is actually what's built up you know over you know the more i think about the movie but it's not it's but still i watched the movie and when i watched it again for the show it's not like i was dreading it i was still happy to watch the movie because again all i know i'm going to get all these awesome scenes that i really really love I just wish that there was, uh, you know, that there was going to ultimately be a little more to it, or, or like I've I've said since our first review episode of this film, I just wish that it had all come together in a way that just fit as tightly as everything in that first Avengers movie. And I'm just, I've always been just surprised that it didn't. And I guess, you know, maybe I shouldn't be, and maybe that's not fair to Joss Whedon of like, hey, I expect you to do. <laughs> Uh, the, I expect you to do the best work of your life every single time, <laughs> you know, and, and otherwise you suck, um, which I'm not saying he sucks, but, um, you know, I, I was surprised that it didn't, I was surprised it didn't work better, that it wasn't as, that it didn't get closer to being the Avengers. I never expected it to match that first film, but I did expect it to get closer and I expected Ultron to be a much bigger and, and truly great MCU villain. And that didn't quite, uh, that didn't quite come together. Uh, but anyway, that's enough about Age of Ultron, except for our Patreon credit scene, because we have to talk about uh, what connects this movie to Infinity War. And we're going to talk about what actually connects this movie to Infinity War, not all that goofy Thor shit. We're going to talk about <laughs> the Mind Stone. We're going to talk about Thanos popping up in the mid credit scene. That's the stuff that we're going to focus on. But we also have some Avengers Infinity War news to talk about. Tickets are on sale, and... 
Avengers Infinity War isn't even in the box office yet, but it's already blowing it up. Uh, we had a new trailer that, even though I talked about it a little bit on a Q&A episode that I did over the weekend, we haven't gotten any of Paul's thoughts on it, so he can share Ooh. some of that in our Patreon credit scene. And you can sign up for that if you're not already at patreon.com slash News. And then make sure, if you want to support the show another way, a free way, you can support us at on Facebook by liking and sharing and commenting on articles that I post there. And that's facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News. Uh, you can also find us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, where I post every day about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and also find us and share on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelt S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 